Hey, AfterBuzz TV listeners, want to share your opinions, give feedback, or tell us what you're thinking? Send us a voice message. Voice messages are an easy way for you to send us audio that might end up in a future episode of our After Show. They're the latest feature from Anchor, the platform we use to publish and distribute our podcast to you for free. You can send us voice messages about all sorts of topics. Questions you have for us, what you thought of the latest episode on this TV show, what you think of our format, who should we have on the show, something you want us to do better, your impression of one of the characters, anything you can think of. We'll see all of your messages and we might add them into a future episode. Anchor makes that part super easy. You can send us voice messages right now from wherever you're listening. Just tap the link in the show notes. We can't wait to hear from you. Hey, everybody. On this episode of the Legends of Tomorrow After Show, it is season four, episode 16. Hey, world. That's right. It is the season finale. Does Ray's soul get saved? What happens to Constantine in hell? We've got a fairy godmother down there. And man, you wouldn't believe the legend that we've brought in studio to help us break down this impactful episode. Let's do it. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Oh, 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 oh. It's the Legends uh, of Tomorrow uh, uh, after show. Oh, 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 Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Legends of Tomorrow after show, breaking down every episode of Legends of Tomorrow, airing Monday nights there on the CW. I'm Frank Moran. Uh, folks, oh, in a moment we're going to get to the special guest. Uh, you know, it's been an ups and, up and down season. Dave Child and I have been your constant rock here. But when it came down to breaking down the season finale, we had to leap into our own personal wave rider and reach out to someone who this show couldn't have been possible without. Much like the villain in season one. That's right. We went to hell. <laughs> we brought him back. <laughs> Playing his version of Big Jenga. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the incomparable, Lex Michael! Oh, yeah! Oh, yes! 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 Yes, 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 yes! Oh, yes! yes. There you go. Look oh, at the you missed him. Hello. <laughs> you guys had the, you had the coin with my name on it in your possession, and thusly were able to pull me from the bowels of hell itself. And I used my magic nipples. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's more than the coin. That's what drew me back here. Yeah, that's it's right. the coins with the magic nibble. Come on. That's right. To dive back into the old bits, that's what happens, folks, when you don't give us those five-star ratings. I died. Yeah, yeah you died. Right. I literally died. But then it came back enough people, I guess. We warned you, Mr. Detective, we gave you all the clues. So, ladies and gentlemen, we've got myself, <laughs> Mr. Dave Child. Hey, I'm Dave Child. I'm also here. That's right. So, uh, folks, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Dave Child's got the computer up and running, which means the chat is Look up and at running. how everyone's excited. Lex is back. Oh, praise Bebos are being thrown around. Yes. Oh, boy. But at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> we are going to break down this episode in just niptastic detail. Uh, but before we go into it full force, let's go with you, Lex Michael. You have not really what been here you? this much yeah. this season. You've it's been, been a minute. Yes, it's been a minute. But you've been caught up on the season. I did. What I caught your up thoughts with overall then? So I caught up with this entire back half of the season mm. in about a three-day time span. So first and foremost, <laughs> this is a big old blur to me, a lot of it. But from what I gather, I had a lot more fun than you did. Mm. Okay. No, I don't think that's true. We had a lot of fun because we got to talk about nipples every single week. And that's what true. more could you want from a television program than to organically motivate a nipple discussion yeah. on a week-to-week basis? But actually, that's a perfect case in point, right? I 
but, but what I love the most about this show from the get-go and what it's only gotten better at is giving me the most absurd curveballs week to week. Whether right. it's whether it's deep cuts to uh, DC comic stuff or literal nipple demons, what, uh, the Disney fairy godmother turning full Maleficent, for example, stuff yep. like that. This is the real dragon finale of the week. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Uh, but I, it, it's the absurdity of it and how they lean so aggressively into the absurdity of it. And it's the character relationships, right? Like the finale of this episode, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Be totally honest. The scenario is about as absurd as they could possibly have made it. And yet, when everybody, spoilers, when everybody's singing and whatnot, I'm like, I, this is the right. dopiest thing. And yet I feel like James. I'm so, but I feel like I'm so close to dwelling up. Maybe on the easiest mark conceivable. But it actually did for me what I believe they were going for very pointedly. So right. I find myself a pretty content audience member overall. All right. A couple of things that Dave and I have debated over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. I'll just ask you rapid fire to see what your thoughts were on this. So uh, Neron as a villain, usually we've kind of figured out what the, a villain's plan is pretty early in the season. So we can kind of build it out. This we really didn't know what Neuron's deal was until the very end. Did that bother you at all or no? Uh, he's, a, he's a cloud person. That's my answer to that question. He's, he's, he's also a, a beehive man. Right. He's a, beehive. He's, he's he's a, a smoke cloud yeah. person is the, is my answer to that question. Honestly, no, because it was a – Neuron functioned more as a device than a full-on character. But mm-hmm. I, it worked for me insofar as we were able to fold in so much of Constantine's mythology in a way that felt – if you can buy into Neuron as a device rather than a full-fledged character worked enough for me because I was so happy to see – all of that Constantine mythology folded into this season. Right. All right. Uh, costumes. Uh, Dave and I kind of differed on this. I felt there was certainly a lack of costumes and super heroics at display here. Until this episode. <laughs> Until this yeah, okay. We brought back the costumes <laughs> yes. of this episode. Did you miss the costumes this season, though? Uh, be honest, I didn't really think about the lack of costumes until oh, this moment. Interesting. All right. You didn't well, notice at all. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm a sucker for a good super suit, but if you're not going to give me super suits, they did give me nipple demons. Okay. Which I feel is an acceptable trade-off. All right. Yeah. And lastly, would you want to see Constantine back again for another season? Yes. Uh, for me, unequivocally, yes. I love what they were able to do with that character as far as he integrated with the rest of the team. I love that Constantine is a perfect, uh, He's yes, he's a well-developed character, but also a device through which you can introduce the complete mystical side of DC Comics lore into this universe. But also, man, like the the, the pathos of that character, right? The way we were able to mine his history, yeah. uh, in my opinion, to to great emotional effect, I would love to see more of that. Okay. Oh, okay. actually, one last bonus question. Uh, David yeah. and I thought it was ridiculous in terms of Hey World, where yeah, Tom- that was that was the biggest one eighty that <laughs> yes. we encountered. What? How did you feel when like Hey World was introduced, and they brought in this kind of like device that they were then leading up to this episode? Sure. <laughs> More <laughs> like okay, all right. Suddenly we're talking about. Him creating this zoo for, and that was the plot all along, was he wanted to bring in the <laughs> yes. evil creatures to create a wonderful, the the happiest place in the vicinity. <laughs> I, that was my favorite part about this episode, was how they, how they danced around 
the happiest place on earth. They yes. couldn't say that. And it's been interesting to track all season. Where is the line beyond which the mouse is going to come for you? Because I do appreciate, right. even though, yes, it does feel like a very big concept that we certainly didn't introduce in the beginning of the season. I like that all season we've been dancing around explicit, overt Disney references. Uh-huh. And by the end of the season, we're just going full Disneyland. Yeah, we so, have because we, we have the fairy godmother to Maleficent. And and up to and including a stage show that feels exactly like every Disney uh-huh. and Universal Park stage show that I've ever seen. They needed to put some like weird ham, like kind of forced in pop culture references, like the genie and Aladdin talking about the Kardashians. Yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> that that's my favorite part. If you go to the Aladdin show at Disney, he's all of a sudden saying something. He starts dabbing. And the audience goes crazy. They don't need it to have context. They they just throw in like, oh, that reminds me of a, a filter on Snapchat. <laughs> it's amazing. They needed some of that. Uh, so one thing that happens this episode is they've got a goal. Hey, world is the crux. This is going to solve our problems mm-hmm. if we actually build Hey, world. And it's going to take years to do it in real time. But with the handy use of the book that they found earlier this season, that Mick was able to kind of bring his characters to life. Same reason Nate is going to draw on this book and bring that vision of Hayworld to life. What I really wanted—that was a good device. I actually thought bringing back the book was like—it was good. But what I really wanted to see was like, because Nate is not an artist. No, I wanted to see like when he draws it, it's just all like crudely. (laughs) Yes. Welcome to Hayworld. It makes it like. Far worse than it's supposed to be. Like, oh, this is so disturbing. No. <laughs> don't draw, Nate. Please don't draw. Find somebody no. else. I yeah, that would have been great. I also felt like I had I knew where this was heading because after a while you just start to realize, oh, this is just Ghostbusters 2. This is <laughs> we're just in Ghostbusters <laughs> 2. This is going to end with a song bringing people together. And then maybe the Statue of Liberty is going to start marching around. And but that how, quite how blissful would it have been if instead of the James Taylor, they ended with the Bobby Brown song from Ghostbusters 2? Yeah, that would have been much better. The like, lift you up, I'm taking you so, that one. So, Dave and I have been speculating for the past couple weeks that, hey, maybe by the season finale, oh, when they're in hell, we are going to see Damien We're going to see, yeah, it's going to be like such a good place to set up suddenly we're gonna see this character from the way back that we haven't seen in a while and we can have we have nora there we have ray there and suddenly they meet Damien dark and they have to have, have this big like emotional comeuppance you know it's all there yep vandal savage playing jenga. vandal savage playing jenga i did not see it coming i did not see it and we know i think we joked, joked about, about it. yes yeah uh, Vandal Savage, what'd you guys think when Austin Lee turns around and it is our boy Vandal Savage? I liked how, I liked how happy he was. <laughs> I like how he was just, he seemed he was very, uh, like fine and very happy. I, what I don't get, and I guess this is skipping way ahead. Sure. To like, Let's do it. What were they teasing at the end? It made me think for the future episodes, like when, when Astra comes and says, Everyone needs an act two. 
Are they talking about Vandal Savage? Because <laughs> that was my first thought. <laughs> they, uh, according to the executive producer, they did uh, Entertainment Weekly talk to him after the release of this episode, mm-hmm. kind of seeing like uh, that very same scene at the end where Aster goes to this soul bank there and wants to cash in and collect or release these souls of some of the most notorious bad guys throughout history. Yeah. So that is going to be kind of the crux of season five. Oh, it's like, they're all going to be the bad guys. Yeah. So, so it's a historical Legion of Doom. Correct. Got so it. it's not going to go back. Historical Legion of Doom. Oh, that's actually, I think that's kind of like what we were talking about the other week, where we were talking about how they were going to go back to time travel. Looks like they are doing that, which would be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. And, they, you know, they have, okay, so I saw, like, Charles Manson, Caligula... Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Yeah. Genghis Khan. I mean, there's a whole boat of, a boatload of uh, coins that she, uh, she dropped down there. So it looks like we got right. plenty of bad guys. What I do like about it, though, since it's, it's the, got the hell connection, that it still keeps an obvious reason for Constantine to stick around next season. Yes, very much so. Right. Yeah, so right. you can get your time travel, but it still has enough mystical component to it that it doesn't make uh, it doesn't seem odd that Constantine's yeah, still Yeah, and they, they can be scattered around the timelines, but they still have to go back to hell in the end. Yeah, and hell, like as we talked about in previous episode, uh, it's just the arrow set, as we discovered. Well, <laughs> it's basically right. just that. But uh, you know. ten second side tangent for Lex Michael right now. Yeah, hello, Constantine's. Uh, what he wears? What do you consider that? Is that wardrobe or a costume? I don't understand the premise of the question. Okay, here's the premise. We were talking about how there's been no superhero costumes right. this entire season, and I got said, it. "Got it." There has been one, and I th- I think it's uh, Constantine has kept his superhero outfit, because that's all it is. I, honestly, with a character like Constantine, I feel like that line blurs to the point where there is no difference. With every other yeah. character with a designated super suit, mm. I, now I get the question. Yes, there is wardrobe, and then there is their costume. Like, in this in this episode, like many, Nate, you see him in his street clothes, and you see him in his, his steel outfit, right? With Constantine, the two are one and the same. So Constantine's the paradox. Constantine, if you have the Venn diagram, Constantine is the center of the Venn diagram. So yeah. it's like we were both right, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> this, is just, why, this is what Lex does. All he I tries want, to blit. I just want peace. Uh-huh. Uh, folks, before we dive further into the show, just want to say thank you for watching. Yeah. I mean, we know if it wasn't just for Dave and I, which, you know, eh, sometimes is, is enough. But for this special episode with Lex and Michael, I mean, we were giving back to you fans for making sure, that, uh, for thanking you for watching us so often. Mm-hmm. But we're also asking for a little bit of extra help as well. So if you can like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel there. Give it a thumbs up while you're there. Uh, and get involved in the conversation. So no matter where you're watching or listening from, get involved. Share your thoughts. Dave Child's got this chat room up and running. Mm-hmm. He loves what you're saying in there. Yeah, we, I love this uh, recent comment from Mercenary X 84 is that it looks like Nora has a costume too. <laughs> That's true. And arguably a legacy character because there was a fairy godmother before her and now she takes up the mantle. Very true. There you go. So, folks, thank you so much for watching us. And even though we're not going to be back into 2020 for Legends of Tomorrow, I continue to watch all the other fine shows that we do here at AfterBuzz. I know Dave Child's got many more that he's going to be doing this summer. He's going to reveal what those are at the end of the episode. Oh, boy. Can't wait. Can't wait to hear. Can't wait. All right. So... <laughs> Uh, speaking of the fairy godmother, so we saw last episode uh, Nora falls for the real fairy Tabitha's, I guess we'll call it. She still has it. Yeah. So, uh, curious. Because, but what I thought is, like, does that over uh, override her existing power set? Because well, it makes her more powerful, too. Because, like, she was in hell, and she like she was relying on the wand, and then it would crap out on her. But she's, mm-hmm. she still has her Damien Dark powers, right? I also thought, 
that the the whole thing is that if a witch accepts it, then you can kind of pass it over. It's the end of Aladdin with the lamp sort yes. of thing, right? I actually got worried that like all of a sudden we're going to have Constantine as the fairy godmother because at one point in hell yeah. she just passes over the wand and he grabs it and you have to be a witch and you have to have the wand. So I really wanted to see all of a sudden Constantine in the outfit or in the version of the fairy godmother outfit. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. But yeah, I guess that's actually a good way of bringing Gary onto the team because they have to work together, her and Gary. Also, let me ask you this. This yes. is another like season thing because we get to kind of poke someone else's head about this. Gary. Yes. Is he evil? <laughs> I don't think Gary is evil so much as hapless and easily swayed. Yeah, but he like he goes pretty far. Do you think his nipple corrupted him? I do think if there is a demonically possessed part of your body, mm-hmm. I feel like right. It's like when uh, Ash in Evil Dead has the demonically possessed hand. The, there was a lot of Evil Dead references this season. What well, we can talk about that yeah, too. Okay, um, like the, have a nipple has the Necronomicon like dead person eyeball and whatnot. Also groovy. They said yes. groovy at yes. some point, and there was like a hand thing going on. So right, if it's if it's Evil Dead rules, right? If you chop off a part of your body, it it can become autonomous from you if it's possessed, and it can be evil. But if you have it on your body, it can still act independently of you. And if you don't keep tabs on that thing very closely, right. it may be guiding your actions. So it's entirely possible it is only Gary's nipple that is to blame. But I think Gary, I think he meant well. I genuinely think he meant well. And then once he got just a taste of power that he was swayed towards, Mm -hmm. he lost himself a little bit. But I I appreciate that they were able to, A, find it in their hearts to forgive him, and B, keep him him close enough that they could keep an eye on him. Yeah, But but it's it's one thing to have a hand that is kind of demonically possessed. And it's kind of has a mind of its own, so it's doing its own thing. Harder to wrangle. But the nipple, it, it, it can't really do much on its own. So we even saw in that episode when he was taking over the Time Bureau, he would sit there when he'd bring anybody in for their job performance evaluation, and he would sit there in front of them, and then he'd open up a shirt so they could see the nipple. So I felt like he was very much working with the nipple in hand. No, I mean, it was corrupting his whole body. It was like, it made him go this. He wasn't just like, I'm going to use this nipple. He's like, oh. No, because like the hand, like the hand, like Ash I think you're right. Hand. It's not quite Evil Dead rules. I think he had like, I think it made him a worse person. But then once it was removed... Then he was concerned about the legends and the way he was trying to save the legends Mm -hmm. was in a hapless kind of weird way where he wasn't trying to control them. He was just trying to keep them safe. Right. But his insecurities kept coming up and they kept getting the better of him anyways. Yeah. I feel like with the possessed nipple, you're 50% of the way to full demonic possession. And Gary's hapless on the best of days. So it doesn't work out super well for anybody. In the chat, a lot of people are saying that Gary just wants to be a friend or part of the team. Gary is uh, is very lonely. Well, as you guys were saying, like the, now the new status quo for Nora and Gary is so they need to kind of work in tandem to make best use of their powers. But I also feel like that that's a convenient way to not really let Nora use her powers at all because those are pretty much a problem solver for anything you get your involved right. with. So it's always going to come up with a way for to knock Gary out or to not have Gary be around at the cr- critical moment when he could say exactly what they need to do to save the day. Mm. Well, that can I find that already going to be like a source of thing that will irritate me in the next season, right? Because she can't do anything unless unless she has her uh, dark powers, and I don't understand if she should have her original powers, right? 
Well, yeah, she does, but she can't use. Well, maybe, maybe it takes over. Maybe she can't do anything unless and she's she's tied to the she's tied to the launches. She's tied to any wish that happens. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's a pretty good restriction because it's it's one that they can have fun writing around. I feel like what you do tactically is you keep Gary in the panic room on the Wave Rider at all times so he can never be felled or knocked unconscious, thereby rendering Nora pretty useless in a combat scenario. Right. Um, uh, the chat is bringing up a good point that I believe we just found. Get it? Get the cue ready. Frank's beef. Yes. Where's the beef? There it is. Hey, everybody, before we move on to our next topic, I do want to let you know about Anchor, because Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place for free, just like this show, which you can use right from your phone or computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great, just like this one, and they'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere podcasts are heard, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. You can easily make money from your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. Get started today by downloading downloading the Anchor app, or you can go to anchor.fm. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. All right, lay it on me, Dave Child. It's, it's, that's, 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 my, that's, that's my beef. That's my beef. That's, that's beef. my beef, guys. Unless it is, is like, unless you, do you have another beef you'd like to mention? I've got more beefs, guys. About I'm going to see them throughout okay. the episode. Seed the beefs. Yes. Seed the beefs so they can grow into beautiful <laughs> beef plants mm. that we'll eat. There we go. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, Lex Michael also asked, between Gary and Mona, uh... Which one did you... Actually, no, no, excuse me. I'm not going to say Gary Mona. I'm going to say Mona and Charlie. In terms of either of those characters, I feel like I have enjoyed Mona much more over the course of the season. I feel like I've gotten to know her and I've enjoyed her more as a character. I can't understand where she's coming from. Charlie, I feel yeah. like she's been a cipher this entire season. What are your season. thoughts on Charlie? Okay, this is... At, comparing the two is a little bit difficult for me because the characters are totally different and seem to be the intention behind them is completely different. Really did enjoy both. If you're going to conclude Amaya's character arc in the previous season and you want to keep some version of her around because of the energy and the chemistry that she has with the rest of the cast how do you do that okay early in the season yes you could argue that this was a bit of a contrivance but i still i enjoyed that character i enjoyed the way it inverted a lot of the relationships that amaya had with the other crew members i like i mean for me right it boils down to the episode where Mick is finally outed as the romance writer, their relationship in that episode for me was kind of a moment where I went, oh, yeah, I'm, I haven't been thinking about it all season, but I'm genuinely glad that this character is here. I'm hoping that as we continue with the show, we can give her uh, character arcs that are more grounded in an emotional space. But as uh, what feels like the show taking a big swing, just trying something with a character played by right. an actor they want to keep around, I dug it. I just always have a trouble when I think about every character on the Wave Rider, and I can guess what each character would have for breakfast. But when it comes to Charlie, I have no idea. Wait, I have to unpack this. Who would have what for breakfast? I mean, we can get into who let's we, get to our, each one uh, has. Well, let's start from the top. Let's start with the captain, Sarah. What does she have for Sarah breakfast? Sarah would have like a very healthy like egg white omelet. Okay, and, and she's I think some like, fighting shape. orange juice and a little bit of espresso. Ray Palmer. Ray Palmer would just have like pancakes. Yep. It would just be pancakes and then like sugar cereal. Cereal, yep. Okay. You know. Nate. Nate would have like I think a very like uh, would have the eggs and bacon side of that like there's the pancakes 
that Ray would be having, and he would just have like the eggs and bacon. Stuff. That's sort of like the all American kind of breakfast. Yeah, yeah, all American kind of feel to it. Got it. All right, uh, McRory. McRory would just be sausages, mm-hmm. like a lot of sausages <laughs> and a beer. Mm-hmm. It's really easy, yeah. like because we know these characters enough that we can say this. Charlie, I'd be like bangers and mash, mate. Because she's British, and that's all we know. That she steals from the garbage. You know, it's like, because she <laughs> likes heists. I know nothing about it. I can't say anything besides that. You know, it's it's weird. Zari. Zari would have, like, maybe a granola or, or something, like oatmeal granola. I was going to say the same thing for, like, um, for Ava, though. Ava's very granola. I think, but I, I don't know about I don't know about Zari. Zari would be a little difficult. Maybe fruit, like a fruit salad. Mm, that's okay. she's a fruit salad with yogurt. That's that's it. Like a parfait or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Zari, this season we saw the evolution of a romance between Nate and Zari, uh, which takes a, uh, an unexpected turn at the end of this episode. I I know Dave and I have talked about how we've liked the development of the Nate and Zari relationship. Lex, how have you liked it over the course yeah. of the season? I like it a lot. I feel like on paper at the beginning of the season, if you had told me, well, they wrote off Amaya and this season Nate has a new girlfriend on the team, I would have rolled my eyes. But I actually genuinely find the chemistry between yeah. them palpable and the two actors are doing such a wonderful job that it's so hard not to root for that relationship. And then, of course, as you say, all of a sudden they throw us a curveball at the end of this episode and it it hurt my heart. It, it, mm. I, I admit, uh, to get to the end of the episode, we do see that Zari, protected in the time stream for all the changes they're doing with the creation of Hayworld, would keep her safe and not rewrite the future, yeah. which would kind of take her out of the legends. But because of what happens with Nate, she does go out to help him. I, I also kind of like that they're just addressing that. I feel like that's like time travel 101 stuff that I want to see addressed. Mm-hmm. Like, do people forget who they are? Do people change? Is there now, now we have this whole like, Buffy's sister situation with this guy that's just popped into the whole thing. You know, it's like they have a history with him. We don't know what that history is. Mm-hmm. Very true. She, he's been a part of the team, and we don't know how. We don't really know what what that is. So that's interesting for me. And I also know that Zari's still out there, and somehow. As an audience, we know about this stuff, but the characters don't know about it, the relationship. And what's interesting is that she would still be in the, what's it, 2042. So they're in the future, so it's not like they can just run across them. Well, they can if they just go back. back. Go visit their... And, you know, the, the, the brother, whose name I forget, but I think it's uh, Barad, according to, the, uh, according to the chat. But does <laughs> and they do ask, if Barad took Zari's place, does that mean that he and Nate are together now? I don't believe so, Rabnerd28, because of what he says in this, which is like, there's a bit more pelvis in that uh, <laughs> in that hug than usual. And I think, you know, pelvis is the sign of true love. So I, I feel like he's uncomfortable with that love, at least. So no, I think it's... But they might go back, and they might hang out with his family, and then they meet Zari, and then Zari becomes a part of it. It's Someone in the chat earlier suggested Zari might come into the team as kind of a hacker tech sort of side of things which I don't know why you would need them time traveling unless you go into the future which might be what happens but you know I mean and it certainly could also happen that next season it, towards the beginning uh, Broad gets injured possibly mm-hmm. killed and so all of a sudden that totem needs to be passed down to Zari right but you know of course not having any of the connections already established it's kind of can we refine that love again 
That would be a very cheap way of doing it, but I wouldn't put it past the show, which I don't think is a... That's not a diss. That's just what the show <laughs> sometimes does. And they have fun with it. That little, like, quick maneuvers that feel like it's episode to episode. One thing about this episode that I liked was the fear kind of siphon that's happening. I kind of wish they seeded it earlier in a in another episode. Because it felt like they were seeding the soul idea, the soul coins. So I thought it was going to be like, he's got enough soul coins to purchase hell or something like that. It feels a little boring, and I think they wanted it more Ghostbusters 2 than, like, you know, the big short. But it, it did kind of feel like they were building that up and not the fear thing. I wish there was something they used in the previous episode that they fueled something with fear to it, kind of see it. True, because it also kind of makes me feel like when you watch an episode where they kind of like, this is what the plan is. We figured it out. He wants souls. If they if they click through this user agreement, he's got their souls, and he's going to become yeah, the ruler of hell. Mm-hmm. To all of a sudden go to this episode, like he doesn't really care about that. Like well, he's in a fear. Like what? Well, why did you even make this such a big point in the last episode? Yeah, then? it felt like it was kind of like an episode to episode thing. But it, you know, still the fear stuff was good. I you know the singing. I think I agree with you. I'm like I get angry when that stuff works. When someone dies and there's a song, right, and people and I feel a little teary. I'm like, this is a right. You're sitting I'm there smarter going, than right, this. Am I dumb? Am I dumb and bad? That's why I never will watch those dogs purpose movies. Yeah, I can't do it. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, <laughs> those are like oh. those are for sure going to work. When on I me. see one of the billboards, I'm like, I gotta look away. Shit. Yeah. Well, we see Constantine realizes like, hey, if we can, uh, the deal that Ray made. For Nero to take over his body. Was that, that was good, though. That, that was, was smart thinking. That was a seed that was planted way early on. Yes. And I do wish we kind of knew Constantine could have that, like, face switch thing. <laughs> He's never used that before. Yeah, why did we need Charlie, then? It's like, <laughs> why wouldn't we need <laughs> yes. Charlie? If he could, like, disguise himself as anything, there's no need for the shape changer in the group. <laughs> Which uh, is very funny. But they realize that since uh, if Nate gets killed by Neron, all of a sudden the deal that they made is forfeit. He gets expelled from Ray's body, and then right. Constantine can take care of him. So you kind of see that planted towards the beginning of the episode, and Sarah's all big about, like, I'm not losing a legend on my watch today. Nobody's dying. and But you feel like that's too much of a juicy nugget not to get tied into. Uh, so they do tap into the end of it where uh, Nate and Constantine do a switch. Yeah. And Neron ends up killing what he thinks is Constantine. It turns out to be Nate. And we get what we've been expecting for a very long time. Yes. Which is Ghost Hank. We, yes! get, we get Ghost Dad happening here. And it's that was kind of nice. I kind of liked it. I did too. I did. I was a softie for that whole it's, last sequence. It's, right. It's much like the singing where I sat there going, I cannot believe this is working on me so well. Yeah. Yeah. Just them getting to say goodbye to each other, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, dad stuff always works on me. Dude, me if too. you have like if you have any dad issues, you just put a dad in and a, a father-son dad thing and it always works. That's true. Yeah, I mean, especially when somebody's taking him so abruptly and you don't get a chance to resolve some of the issues that you may have had or say how you really feel towards that other person to be given that opportunity. Right. I yeah. I'm a sucker for that right. anytime you do that in a Just story. to be able to say I love you, it's okay, goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it works out, and they realize uh, Tabitha's staff, which was collecting everybody's fear, using all the various monsters around to scare them, uh, can also harness uh, hope and love. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we get a big sing-along, uh, where it's like, everybody, if you want to see him live, 
It's like some kind of weird circus freak but show. Well, really you want to see him do it? That felt like the most Disney. live show at Disney World of the episode. <laughs> yeah. It kind of is great that they kept building up this Disney thing because even someone in the chat mentioned that they just tinkerbelled him back. That's right. That's all it was, and that's kind of great. It's kind of. <laughs> Kind of a great way to do that. Uh, one other thing that we've got going on to all the CW shows, shows this, uh, for their season finale has been the lead into Crisis, the big epic five-part crossover happening next year, which is actually going to be split uh, at the beginning of the winter hiatus and then right after the winter hiatus. Those five episodes are going to get get cut. Right. Uh, three and two and three, three and two, one of the combinations. It's just but, cruel. Uh, what I did like is that much like the comic books leading up to Crisis on Infinite Earths, there was like a year where you'd see the monitor pop up. In various different titles. This was the yeah. best time to put the monitor in. Yeah, he did yes. not like their show. Best cameo. I just <laughs> like how he's like, no, nah, I don't know. I <laughs> no, like, all I, I could think about for the rest of the episode is where's his column for Vulture? You know what I mean? Like, where right. can we give him the arts criticism sections of The New Yorker, for example? <laughs> Until the dragon came in, then he's like, all right. And then he starts eating popcorn. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. That's That's great. I, I, it was a nice touch by the legends. If you're going to touch yeah. the crisis and the fact that you really weren't involved in the last crossover, this is a nice way to kind of give a nod that you'll get involved next year. In the next one. In a playful way. And also, just the, we should talk briefly about, I love the fake out about, I didn't see any ads for this, but I'm sure they put like all the Trinity in, in the show. That's kind of nice that they have this fake out of like them pretending to be the heroes that everyone kind of knows about. Yes. And then, you know, talking about, well, no one showed up. I guess we should have done the crossover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that made me happy. But it also made me, it, whenever there's a world altering event in a continuity world where things are connected, I kept thinking, like, well, don't they see there's a monster problem? I know they're dealing with their own <laughs> yeah. stuff right now. Yeah, that's but true. But still, there's a still a monster problem throughout the whole world, right? Yeah, for because, like, they all said no. Like, really? Right. Flash said no to you guys? No. Really? Oliver and Barry were like, we dressed as each other and you missed it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. You didn't miss this cool, weird, we switch costumes. Felicity used to be engaged to Ray, right? Yeah, yep. <laughs> and is now seeing all these, I'm developing a super ultra app that, that that's like revealing monsters. <laughs> yep. When you press it, people come out of nowhere to take them. She's not, maybe we should address this? <laughs> my ex has gone insane? No, no, they didn't get to see my current husband dressed up as that guy. Well, because we know in this world, of course, Green Arrow and The Flash, both well-known. And we, of course, know Supergirl because of all the crossovers and stuff. But she's not really established on our on The Flash and Green Arrow's Earth. Right. So it felt weird. I mean, of course, in the logic of this, you know, Corey, if you're going to have somebody else play a member of one of the other shows, of course, it's got to be Supergirl. Mm. But it right. seemed weird for everybody to be, like, really enthusiastic and, like, About wearing Supergirl? Supergirl shirts and stuff. Cause, like, Different universe. Yeah, they're like, I, they have no, like, who is this person? They okay. saw her once, probably. <laughs> like, oh, that's a girl from that one thing, that crossover <laughs> yeah. thing. She okay. fought against those aliens, the Dominators, right? Uh, okay. This actually, this is a good point by Ivan. We've been seeing your comments, Ivan. Uh, on the chat says that uh, Nate's brain will be taking a beating because his mind will be wrestling between two realities. Remember when John went crazy? Uh, well, the same thing could happen to Nate. His love for Zari will cause this. That's a good point. That's true, but I think in the differences, Constantine. Constantine deliberately went back to change stuff. Yeah, but still, it was his other self that was having going insane. The one that was altered by the past. So it might be Zari going insane, too. I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll have to find out. But that's something they could go back to, yes. 
You got those time headaches. Cool. You got those time headaches, all right? Yeah. Uh, so overall, uh, comparatively, now four seasons into Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, I don't think it's hard. Uh, I'd be speaking out of turn by saying the first season is our least favorite. Yeah, well, it's brought us all together, and we can't ever forget that. That's true. Listen, if you can run for many years and your first season is the weakest and you only get better, I feel like you're doing all right. Yeah. How does this stack up? The end of season four and season four is in total stack up against seasons two and three. Huh. Which ones was the Legion of Doom season, season two. two? I think that was the best one. I think that was the best one. And then it's been... You know, and then after that, I don't know. This is, this, I mean, the Bebo fight was the, was a great finale. So season three. All right. So season three, and then this one, and then season one. But I've been enjoying this season, so I don't mean to say like bad things about it. So I you just put feel like two, three, four, and then a long distance, and then one. And then maybe one. Okay. But I also like one still had its fun parts too. So I don't know. All right. Is my final answer. What do you think? Is that accurate? For me, personally, I'm, I'm with you, but I feel like I would switch four and three. Four and three? Okay. Yeah, I could see that, too. I could kind of... I've, I'm... Uh I'm oscillating between those two. Because for me, there was something so incredibly novel about season two and building a Legion of Doom out of characters that you're pulling from other shows. Something about it was just so fun in a way that you can't match that unless you try to do the same thing again, in which case you still won't be able to match that. But season four, I feel like they were able to take their formula, graft Constantine onto it, and it gave them enough oomph to pivot in a direction that I think sets them up to do a lot of really, really interesting things right. going forward. And also, I really did dig the Constantine stuff this season. A yeah, deal. I always just want them to go deeper into DC lore, mm-hmm. which I think they're not doing as much as they used to because now there's the DC universe where they're actually like, there's a Swamp Thing show. And I keep wanting like Etrigan to show up mm-hmm. because you're dealing so much with Hell and you're meeting the Triumvirate and you're doing all this stuff. You could easily bring Etrigan or other mystical oh, kind of cool. dark creatures into this. And I kind of wish they did stuff like that. I wish they kind of went into the weird, obscure corners of the DC universe as they're doing this. But, you know, I think they should also go into, like, the stuff that no one likes to remember. Like, the stuff that's just, like, weird, golden agey aspects <laughs> that, you know, gets, gets real strange. But, you know, it's... Uh, I if they did that's why I like season two so much too because they did that a little bit. Well, speaking of Constantine and everything that they did, I what I really liked is uh, we've if the televised version of Constantine, uh, what happened with Astra has been yep. such a big thing about that character that I at least like now that we've kind of we've kind of put that in place and we've moved on to the next step, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is nice because I feel like anytime you see Constantine, it's always going to be that reference, and now we're able to move past that and kind of see what else we can do with this character. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, were you satisfied with the kind of the, the, where they've kind of moved towards uh, with, on with with the Astro storyline? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very curious to see what they do with it. If you're going to bring back something that's that major, and it seems like we're setting her up to be, if not the certainly a chief antagonist of the next season, it's going to be very interesting to see what that does to Constantine emotionally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, especially when you've also through that character opened the floodgates to all of these mystical demonic possibilities uh like right up top in the in the finale i was very excited to see the uh squid monster that got cut out of the watchman movie still working <laughs> yeah that made me very happy but because of a character like constantine you have all of these possibilities and i love that they're they are reaching deep into his mythology to make sure that he's not strictly a device on this show right 
This is also, by the way, in the chat, someone brings up another DC Universe character who is perfect for the show. Renji90998, beautiful name, says, one thing I still want is Booster Gold to join. That, I would, I would be He's absolutely perfect. down. He's absolutely perfect for this. Because he has that like same sort of, I want to be a hero real bad, but he's not. Yeah. And he messes up quite a bit. I mean, I'd also love to see Deadman on the show. I mean, that's an easy thing to do yeah. with the budget. Mm-hmm. Especially in this, Deadman's great. And Deadman's one you can kind of bring in, and you don't need to like focus too much on it. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there's so many awesome. uh, so many things that would be possible for the show. Uh, I'm uh, so uh, I did say 2020 there for Legends of Tomorrow. So the CW did announce their schedules for mm-hmm. the fall and the winter seasons, and Legends has been pushed to beginning of 2020. So it's going to be its first episode will be uh, the tail end of the big Crisis three uh, five parter there. So after we come back from the winter hiatus, usually at the third week of January. Uh, that's when Legends of Tomorrow come back so they can tie into that big, huge crossover event and uh, we'll see what happens to those beloved characters. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I, I don't know if there's going to be a time jump or we're going to just pick up right from where we left off here. I'll be curious to see how our so many options. into there. Yeah. But uh, folks, my gosh, we have, we've, we've raced through another, another season of the Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But ladies and gentlemen, we cannot even begin to wrap the show up without giving a huge thank you to Lex Michael taking time off from all his other I mean, busy what would the show be? From his burgeoning multimedia empire, he's taken the time to come here and share his thoughts. What do you got to plug? What do you got to plug, Lex? What uh, do you want to tell the folks about? Oh man, is this where I'd be like, you can find Please, me on yeah. social media? Yeah, yeah. Place, remember that? Remember that? Vaguely. Yeah. Welcome back. I, no, but first of all, hey, it's really great to see you guys. I missed you, and I missed all of you. Thank you guys in the chat for being like, hey, Lex is back. That made me feel really, really nice. Uh, if you want to keep up with me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael, and also I co-host the Missing Out podcast with my good buddy Tari J Miller. It is a place for people to share their passions, the media and experiences that have built us as people, why they resonate with us, the way that they do. We like to call it the retrospective that's introspective because we cute like that. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, uh, on Twitter at Missing Outcast, on Instagram at Missing Outcast as well. Guys, thank you again for inv- having me back. It's I missed you guys so much. I miss you guys so much. Uh, keep up with me. I want to keep up with you. Mwah. Big kiss. I'm going to keep you actually accountable right now, Lex Michael. What are the odds right now to the fans that are watching that we can get you back in here to at least break down the crisis crossover with us? Mm-hmm. Oh, how could I say no? Yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. Oh. That's what I like to hear. And I'm Dave Child. You can find me <laughs> at Mr. Dave Child on the Twitters and the Instagrams or DaveChild.com. And if you're in the L.A. area in June, you can see me in a musical called Dogs the Musical. So if you like me but you've always wanted to see me dance and sing about the fact that I'm a dog... Come check it out. It's the pin tweet on uh, on Mr. Dave Child on Twitter. So get the tickets while you last. Very limited seating. Ooh, uh, what what uh, what breed of dog do you play? I play a pit bull mix. Ooh, how much makeup is involved in that? Um, I don't think very much, actually. I'm pretty pit bullish, as it turns out. That's true. So, mm-hmm. it's good. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us here for this season of The Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And thank you, everybody, for hopping in the chat. Thank you for joining us all season long. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HappyGoJackie. Folks, we'll see you back here next season, which won't be until January 2020 here for The Legends of Tomorrow After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. Speed off. Nipple off. 
something swampy. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.